Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. And welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Jerry Sherwin, and I'm a blogger at Black Heart Gold Pants. Joining me on the podcast today are both managing editors for the Pants, Max Brecky and Ben Ross. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Hello. Hey. What's up? Before we get into any questions, did you guys miss me last week? And be honest. Oh God, yeah. This is this is tough. And Jerry, you're good at this, so we're glad to have you back. Yeah. I'm, we missed you, our fearless. Our yeah, fearless I'm, I'm sure the listeners missed you more even than we did. Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words, but I only wish that you guys had brought a victory this past weekend. It was a gut punch of a loss to Penn State. I think we could just get right into it. I said some things. I did some things after that game was over that I'm not necessarily proud of, but felt right at the time. Um, but you know, Iowa's defense held up. All game long, despite giving up almost 600 yards of total offense on 99 plays, which is still just absurd to me in every which way. So I'm just going to throw it to you guys right off the bat. Ben, let's start with you. What did you take from that Penn State loss and um, kind of where are you at with this Iowa team right now? The, my biggest takeaway is I think we can compete with any team uh, in the Big Ten. I think Penn State is probably better than Ohio State. I'm not super impressed with Michigan. And I, I actually do think Wisconsin might be the second or third best team in the conference. And I really wish that we, uh, I was playing Wisconsin at home because we would have, I think, a really uh, a better chance even than beating them away in Camp Randall because that's always a tough place to play. But, I mean, it, I don't think anybody had more than seven or eight wins as a ceiling for this Iowa team uh, going into the season. And now I think we showed that nine or ten isn't totally out of the question. I'm a pessimist by nature, and I don't feel very stupid saying that. I think if this defense can play like that, and, uh, you know, that's probably the worst offensive performance of the year, it definitely was. I think, um, you know, there's still – Nate Stanley still has lots of room to grow. Uh, Akram Wadley will get more help from the running backs because, I mean, we didn't even use a freaking fullback, let alone another running back in that game. So, you know, I'm really more optimistic than you should be coming in after a loss. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked. Max, where are you? Yeah. Uh, I'll go pessimistic here just because <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I generally That's do. That's right. That sounds right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, bend, don't break. It worked against Penn State. But, you know, it, there's always a possibility that you are going to break a lot more than they did in that game. Uh, so, I mean, that's always a concern just when you play that kind of style of defense where you're just like, all right, we're going to let him, we're going to let Saquon Barkley, for, or in this game at least, get uh, four, 300 plus yards of total offense. And so, you know, it's there's always the risk that you run when you let, kind of just let him get his and you give him space to do what he wants to do because if he gets out into the open, he could, he'd be gone easily. So that's, that's a slight concern. The defense did play really well in that game. But, uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, it was just Brian Ferentz's play calling was just puzzling to me. It wasn't really, you know, there wasn't a lot of that, you know, those new wrinkles that we saw, the tight end screens, 
Uh, we only used one running back for the entirety of the game. It just felt super safe. And I get what he was trying to do, limit turnovers, limit, uh, you know, mistakes. But it was just kind of weird, you know, for a team that's the first few games. They were pretty, you know, they were pretty daring for the most part in comparison to old Iowa teams. But that's how I, that's kind of how I feel about it. You, you kind of touched on the, the offense there and Brian Ferentz being safe. It, it, it's weird to me knowing that Iowa scored so quickly in that fourth quarter. I mean, it was was it even a total full minute um, on that last play? It was four plays. They put it in the end zone. Uh, Iowa almost scored too fast, which mm-hmm. was something weird, especially for that game. But I, I feel like... Iowa was able to do what Penn State did to us last year in that fourth quarter, but the other three quarters before that, nothing was happening. There was one tight end reception, I think, for the entire game, which is absolutely outrageous when they have the weapons that they do in Fant and Hawkinson. Was Penn State's defense just that much better than we anticipated, or is there something else going on with the Iowa's offensive play calling right now with Brian Ferentz? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, Penn State has some really good defensive players. They have a great linebacking core and a couple of really good D-backs. They're probably still not – they're definitely not better than the Ohio State or Wisconsin defense. But, yeah, they'll be – they're probably the third-best defense we'll see all year. And I just don't think any of the defenses we saw – we've seen the first three games were anywhere near it. So I think a lot of the – our offensive players just didn't know how to react and maybe it could, that goes all the way up the coaching ladder. Maybe Brian Ferentz didn't really know what to do uh, when he when his when his players didn't know what to do. He might have you know soiled his trousers, soiled his khakis a little bit up in the press box because he he probably is just as confused as Stanley and some other offensive players were. But but in you know it was a learning experience. This whole we said all season long, this whole season will be a learning experience. And I think this team is learning faster than we ever could have anticipated. <clears throat> and. You know, I really hate moral victories, but you have to feel, uh, you know, better going into that game than, uh, you know, just about as good as you can at following a loss. Yeah, and, I mean, it could also be a lot on the players as well. It just felt like it was very safe, you know. Mm-hmm. We, there's, I mean, there's a few dump-offs of some short passes as, you know, you kind of grow accustomed to, but, you know, Wadley ran the ball 19 times. Nobody else ran. It just felt weird that, you know, nobody else really got a shot to do anything else. You know, they kept it mainly to Wadley, Easley, and Vandenberg for the most part, it felt like. And it was just felt very safe, and it was just kind of very weird. Yeah, it's 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 weird because Wadley, despite having the most touches on this team, didn't even have a yard for that first half. Um, right. And I just feel like... I was the biggest Brian Ferentz supporter at the beginning of the season. I believed in him, and then it just drove me nuts that for three quarters I didn't see the adjustments that Iowa seemed to make at halftime of the first games, you know, the first couple games before this. It was much of the same in that third quarter, and then when the game was on the line, all of a sudden it's like Brian figured out maybe I should space out this defense because they're flying towards the line of scrimmage, they're plugging all the gaps, and. Penn State's defense was was a lot faster and a lot better than I anticipated. I think maybe they could rival that Ohio State D um, just after kind of what we saw this weekend. But I just was a little disappointed at, like you said, Max, it was safe. The adjustments weren't there until it was almost too late. And that makes me a little worried going forward. Um, But going along with that question, 
Max, do you think the Penn State defense? I, I know Ben kind of said that it's probably third in the Big Ten. Was were you expecting Penn State to kind of fly around and be that fast? I mean, they were missing a defensive end. I'm pretty sure one of our linemen said that they were better than they even saw on film. You know, were you expecting that this this weekend? Yeah, I was expecting their defense to be fast. I would know that, like, I went over to Black Shoe Diaries, the SB Nation, uh, Penn State site, a couple times. Why? Just. I, I enjoy I enjoy reading things and making myself hate everything, <laughs> and making myself hate reading comments because that's just what I do. But uh, I just went over there a few times and they call their they don't call their linebackers linebackers. They keep calling them space backers, as in like, you know, people that just run around in space. And it was just kind of you know like they made them sound more like safeties than anything when I was reading their stuff. So like I kind of had an impression that they were going to be fast and they weren't going to really be. You know, your stereotypical, like, Josie Jewell, Bo Bauer, kind of, you know, bigger guys, more, you know, tough, you know, strong guys. But I didn't think that they were going to be as good. I didn't think their linebackers were going to be as good as they ended up kind of being in this game. Going along with that, we're, we're kind of talking about how Penn State here, you would think that Penn State blew us out. And I think by all the yardage and all of the plays that they ran, if you just looked at the stat box, you'd get confused by the final score. But that says nothing of what the Iowa defense was actually able to do on Saturday night. Guys that really stuck out to me, it's our boy Maui finally getting to play over, you know, that they took the training wheels off. He finally got to play a bunch. Anthony Nelson is just a monster, or he was on Saturday night. He came out of nowhere, I thought. The outlaw kept up with Saquon Barkley more than I anticipated him being able to do. And then a little under-the-radar guy, Sam Brinks, um, kind of made a big clutch play there towards the end. Um, what else stuck out for you guys from the defense? Do you think this can hold up, um, especially going into Michigan State, who kind of just got slacked by Notre Dame? Yeah, I think we finally saw the defensive line that we heard about in camp. Uh, Anthony Nelson and A.J. Panessa are just destroyers of worlds. I can't imagine there's a better defensive end tandem in the Big Ten right now. And Epinesa's, you know, for all intents and purposes, our second string on the right side of the line. And, you know, Josie Jewell, he played really well. And he's still, I mean, yeah, 16 tackles, I think three and a half tackles for a loss. And he still didn't even, you know, he still got beat plenty of times. And he was still able to get uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week honors. And I, I'm really happy with how our defensive backfield played, too. I mean, Josh Jackson had a huge pass breakup in the end zone, I think, to end the half. And... Amani yeah, Hooker, Amani Hooker, he he played great. He literally inches away from winning the game for Iowa. Uh, the defense, you couldn't ask for a better performance. If you would have told me that we'd ha- we'd hold Penn State to 21 points going into the game, I'd be ecstatic. You know, I was expecting, I was fully expecting at least 35 to 40 points being laid on this defense going into the game. Yeah, Ooh. I was. <laughs> that's that's a lot of points. I mean, you 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 predicted. I remember last week, uh, Barkley would get no more than 150 total yards. So that was my hot take. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well, he 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 more than tripled that, or he almost tripled that. He had 358 all-purpose yards. Minor minor yeah, details. Minor. But uh, yeah, I was gonna touch on Amani Hooker was really good. You know, I was I was not surprised that he was that good. I was just kind of you know. I wasn't expecting him to play out of his as out of his mind as he did. I think he had 13 tackles, which isn't always great when your safeties are getting that many tackles. But he did a really good job, and yeah, he was in pretty good position at the end of that game to try to win it for Iowa, and just came an inch or two short. 
but I was encouraged by the defensive back play for the most part. They made it difficult for uh, McSorley to find receivers, and then that's why I think Iowa got as many sacks as they did. I think they had four or five. Four. I think yeah. four. Yeah, so, I mean, they made things difficult for him all night. He only he threw for 240, 284 yards, but he also threw 50 passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice finally being able to point at somebody like Hooker and point him out for the right things, as opposed to just missing tackles or being completely out of a play for the wrong reasons. Um, you kind of touched on it being a game of inches. I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet or not between yourselves or some of your friends, but between the the Hooker play at the end, if he and he said so himself, if he would have gone up with one hand, he probably affects that ball. Um, McSorley throwing off his back foot. I didn't think any had any chance of even getting there in the first place. And then between the the two two point conversions that Iowa missed and the safety, that's your game. We're going into overtime, and it's just it's it's so crazy that though you could pick out these little details that could have just changed this entire thing completely. Um, it hurts. It's that's the gut punch. That's the worst part because Iowa had every opportunity to steal this game, and that's what it would have been. It would have been a stolen game. Um, at this point, I, that's just how I feel. I, I'm a little bit more pessimistic, I think, about this um, going forward because I just worried about how the defense responds now and how the offense responds to it because they're going to have to start bailing this defense out. They can't do this every single mm-hmm. week. Yeah, we win that game. I mean, yeah. we're the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. Um, Absolutely. But, and we still kind of are. We still control our own destiny, but we feel a lot better than we do right now going into the rest of the season. Yeah, if you would have told me before that game Iowa held Penn State to 21 points, I would have said that there's no way that we lose that game. But mm-hmm. it's not always meant to be. Let's It's time to move on, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is time to move on. Max, you had an interesting point, too, I want to touch back on. Joe Moorhead is very much there's – a, there's a bunch of profiles the last couple of weeks on him, and I think you're right. He loves calling those play calls down the field. They're long, drawn-out uh, routes, and – uh, the coverage was fantastic down the field. That does give me a little bit more hope. The secondary has played pretty well for the most part this season, and, and it's definitely something to build on them containing those receivers downfield. Yeah, I wasn't terribly impressed with Moorhead actually. For I mean, he only put up 21 points, but I mean, he got he did enough to win. But without Saquon Barkley, there's no chance they win that game. Their other running backs combined for five carries, 25 yards. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do a whole ton. Can, can I ask you guys an, an honest question that's really bothersome that it's like one of the one things I keep harping on with this game as I even though we're Tuesday at five o'clock Eastern or uh, Central time right now yeah let's hear it do it what the hell is going on with Iowa's punting it's uh, Radstetter had three punts over 48 yards but he also had two because they roll yeah I mean that's rugby punting man the the best punter in the, the best part of the country uh, guy from Arizona. He, he's a rugby punter, and they roll for like 30 or 40 yards. Or I mean, not 40, but they, they roll well. That's part of the game. I'm I'm not as concerned with the punting as a lot of people were in our comments the other over the past couple of days. I think he's only going to get better, and I don't think it's time to burn a, a, a red shirt and put a true freshman out there. I disagree. I, I okay. do too. <laughs> uh, I'm so, here for the punting hot takes, guys. I'm here for the <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's sometimes he does the rugby punt, and I get that when you do the rugby punt, that's what it's supposed to do. But some some of his punts are just normal punts that just happen to roll 15 yards. And, you know, some teams are going to get up there and they're going to, you know, start to line up for the ball. Like, 
at 35 yards or, right. you know, like 35 yards back. And, you know, those 49-yard punts are going to turn into 35-yard punts because they're not going to Punting is not why we lost that game. No, it's not why we lost the game. I just want to talk about punting. It's just one of those things. It's like an Iowa staple, and it wasn't on par from what I expected. And, Max, you're right. I just don't understand why Big Ten teams, and they're probably going to start this weekend because it's Kirk's arch nemesis, and if there's one person to do this, just run up to the 35 and call the fair catch because you don't want to give it any opportunity to roll. And I'm a little worried about that because it's just not that naturalistic, beautiful punt that just floats through the air that I'm used to seeing an Iowa punter have. Yeah. It's the, it's the hang time that bothers me, honestly. The, it's not getting any hang time, and that's, that's yeah. where it's going to get bad. I think Ratstetter will be fine, and that's all I want to commit to punting for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, We'll end the the punting corner there. Um, do you guys have anything else you guys want to touch on about Penn State or even Iowa this week? No, let's get, let's let's get on to Michigan State. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Well, before we get to Michigan State, I think it's the perfect opportunity for us to split this up a little bit and go into a segment that we started a couple weeks ago called Punter Go for It. Um, it's kind of one of those things where we throw out a hot take. We get some from our Slack group as well, from some of the other bloggers at the site. And we decide if we're going to punt, which is something that we obviously are very hot about, um, or if we're going to go for it, which is Kirk Ferentz or Brian Ferentz's new favorite thing of doing. Um, I will start it off this week just because I'm going to read it straight from Boiler Hawk's uh, mouth. <laughs> if the refs would have flagged Akram Wadley for high-stepping again on the final score and taken the touchdown away with, and give him the spot file... Does Iowa win that game? No. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. Punt or go for it, Max. Punt or go for it. Okay, I'm punting on it. <laughs> uh, you you got to take the points ben? there. I mean, it's so easy to say in retrospect Iowa scored too quickly, but I mean, even a field goal wasn't a gimme that game. Um, you, you, I don't know how you can possibly say in good conscience that we scored too quickly and. Um, that you know, uh, I, you got to take the points in that situation. I was I was kind of surprised at how many people I saw on social media and in comment sections um, saying that Wadley should have had the the wherewithal to just take a dive there. Mm-mm. I mean, I just I don't get it. I personally am punting this as well. I just I, you know I read it. So we had a little conversation about it in our Slack group, but why we needed the, we needed the touchdown anyways? Who's to say the way that the uh, the offense played all game that we were going to punch it in exactly. from that close anyways? I, I got to take the points. Well, speaking of taking the points, and one that I actually believe in, and I'm going for it. Nate Stanley will be an all Big Ten quarterback this season, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because he's got 12 touchdowns to one interception, and I just still can't believe the stats that this kid has. Wow, all Big Ten. So who is his biggest competition? It'd be it's it'd be the guy he just played. I, I don't think. think JT Barrett, unless he you know goes back to his freshman form, it's probably those three, right? I don't know who. Or- it's definitely not Tanner Lee. Hornibrook, or is it Alex Hornibrook? Uh, Alex, Alex, it's Alex. I know Alex he's pretty good numbers, too. Didn't he throw five touchdowns against BYU? Um, so it's probably yeah, between yes. those three or four. Isn't that shocking, though, that the, we're having a conversation the, about it still? I, okay, I will say Nate oh, yeah. Stanley will be all Big Ten quarterback if Iowa makes it to back to Indy. Uh, 
Ooh. I'm going to punt on it. I think that's the only possible yeah. way he gets all Big Ten quarterback. I mean, that's just how voting works for those kinds of things. you, you got to be in a championship game to get that honor. God, I hope that uh, happens, and I hope uh, it's against yeah, Penn State. <laughs> Need it. Need it. Actually, actually, so that, I'm going to jump in here because my, one of my puns I go for is involves a Penn State-Iowa Big Ten championship game. If they meet again the score will be nowhere near as close and Penn State will win. Yeah, I go for that. Yep, I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going for it too. I just, <laughs> I just, it just, Barkley is just so good. It's, I, my next Little Punk, go for it. I'm not even going to ask it because I think it's legit. He might be the best college football player I've watched since Reggie Bush. Like, he's yeah. that good. And the fact that the entire Penn State offense realized they couldn't get what they wanted downfield, so the entire offense for a whole half was just checked down to Barkley and handed off to him. He'd sub out, grab a breath, come back in, they'd do it all over again, and they still won and were able to put points on the board is absurd to me. He's that good. Barkley's better I than agree. Reggie Bush, though. Fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I, I'm, yeah. He's might be he's the most electric college football player on an individual daily game basis that I've seen since Bush, I think. Uh, I agree. What is it? Probably. Go for it. Agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. One that I have that I, I don't know if I've, I've really even seen people talking about it, but I've kind of wondered if it kind of lit a fire under McSorley's ass. Was Josie Jules shouldn't have done the oh, baseball swing? He's got it. No. Nope. He's got it. Oh, come on. Punt. 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 Oh, my God. He needs to do it. Furthermore, that was great. I support McSorley punting the ball at the end of the game. I'm, Punt. I, uh, I'm punting on it mainly just so like if he had like like I, when the Penn State guy uh, I forget who got that touchdown and he shushed yeah. the crowd that's that yeah that's totally fine. fine like let these I'm these are twenty year old kids playing the most emotional game of their life let them celebrate they didn't, weren't hurting anybody's feelings they weren't throwing up fingers they weren't saying nasty things just you gotta in the most hostile environment they've ever played in they can do whatever the hell they want. If, I, I was okay with shushing the crowd. I think punting the football, if that happens during the game, that's a that's a penalty. That's 100% a penalty. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah. But yeah. he apologized for it after the game. Like, he's like... I don't think he needed to well, apologize. No, that's, that's the ahead. reason why you have to punt it, because he apologized for it. It's the same thing with um, Baker Mayfield doing the thing. You have to punt the plan of the flag because he, he ended up apologizing oh, for it. I, I, I don't the, agree with it, but it's... Love it. Oh, I loved it too, love but Clint. he still apologized, so it doesn't count anymore. Yeah, I love disrespect, if you can't <laughs> tell. I just love petty stuff like that. You guys got any other hot takes and or questions we can punt or go for it on? Yeah, well, go ahead, Ben. You got anything? Yeah, I got one. To me, I've only been an Iowa fan since 2010. I've said this on Twitter. I said this in my column on Sunday. That was the most painful Iowa loss I've ever experienced in my life. I was at the uh, indie game against Michigan State, the conference championship game. I still slept soundly last that night. Uh, the the Rose Bowl was over in a matter of minutes. As New Year's Day, I was able to drink all day and forget about it immediately. You know, I was tossing and turning all Saturday night after that loss. I still feel it a little bit now. I think that was the worst loss I've experienced as an Iowa fan, and enough. I think a decent amount of people agree with me. I'm gonna punt on that mainly because I watched the whole Rose Bowl. I subjected myself to the whole thing. But it was over. It was over after five minutes. It, it didn't matter. I couldn't peel myself away from the TV, and I just watched Ugh. it get 
just blasted the whole time. That was awful. That that game ended up just being funny to me at the end. I did watch the entire thing, but I was just cackling uh, by the end of it because mm-hmm. of how absurd it was. Ben, I'm going for it here. Um, I think you're right. The only competition to this right now for me is that indie game. And I think the difference here is that that last drive where Michigan State took, what, seven minutes off the clock. It was like open heart surgery, but it just took so long and you could just see it coming. This one with Penn State, I honestly thought that Iowa was going to shut them down one last time because the defense Mm -hmm. played so good. They deserved that game. And if we were going to win it, it was going to be on their back. And it just didn't happen. And... I, I freaked out. I had a no joke. I had a, I had a victory cigar in my hand ready to go ah, outside. Ah. I know this is on me. I blame myself. Yeah, this. I did. I had a victory cigar ready to go from my wedding day still to go sit outside and enjoy a smoke and a beverage and then just tragedy. That's incredible. Yeah, there was no there was really no doubt in my mind that we would stop them yeah. at play. I was so confident. Um, but yeah, that hurt so much. I just I literally sat down on the floor. I, just in silent. I was uh, in downtown Iowa City. I was in uh, the field house, and uh, that was it. Got quiet, and but luckily for oh. me, I already had gin in my hand. So, <laughs> a whole bottle that night, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, yeah. Enough. Enough. <laughs> enough. Enough. All right. Uh, I tweeted out from the. Blackheart Gold Pants Twitter account for people to send some hot takes for the podcast. So I'm gonna go see if there's a couple in there. Uh, one of them, I remember Hawkeye uh, King's Cowboy Hat tweeted at me and he said AJ Epineza will be the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, is that a separate award for defense and offense? Uh, no, it's just freshman. I don't know anything about any other freshman in the Big Ten right now, so I'm gonna say yes. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to like rack my brain at, a, at an impressive freshman that I've seen, and I may, even if there is one that I've seen to this point, I, I still think Maui is the way he has come in and affected third down, and he's made a presence in each one of those games so far that he's played in. He's increased his snaps over each and every game. Um, he's a load, and the fact that he's only a freshman to me is is definitely something that Iowa fans can just celebrate for the next three years or maybe two um but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go for that one yeah i think that he's gonna obviously he's gonna need to see the field more uh in order to get to that point but and he will i hope so he got on the field what there was i think i saw 37 snaps out of the 99 uh Mm -hmm. i mean so he was on the field quite a bit but i'm trying to but we'll see I'm trying to see who else is a freshman, but I can't find it really quick. I'm looking at Big Time Freshman of the Week awards. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. I think Epi is the front runner right now. Uh, Iowa beats Wisconsin in this season, but they still don't win the Big Ten West. So that means that Iowa's going to lose to somebody else. That would be the case. So that means we're losing to Minnesota then, probably? Ohio State. Mm. I mean, it's possible. I'd say it's a coin flip even almost, but I don't see us losing to any other team but Ohio Ohio State or Wisconsin for us for our schedule. I was surprised. We can talk about this when we talk about Michigan State, but I was surprised by how many people are scared by Michigan State. I mean, I'm prepared to say Michigan State is bad. I would actually – I'm the exact opposite. I 
I'm surprised by the amount of people who think Michigan State's going to be a cakewalk. I've seen much more people scared of Sparty online than, <laughs> than, than what you are. I am in the party that thinks Michigan State's going to be a cakewalk. I That Notre Dame game was my flip to. Um, yeah. being, being a South Side Pollock, my, my dad was kind of one of those dudes that Notre Dame football was always on, and then you hate watch the Bears on Sunday. But the fact that I was a three-and-a-half dog, I know we were going to touch on this later, oh. but I'm just shocked at that. It, yeah, we'll devote eight minutes to talking about that when the time comes. I don't yeah. think Michigan State's that good. I think I was going to be able to come out and score on them, and the defense is going to be right where they are. I, you know what? I've changed my entire demeanor. I was a little pessimistic to start the show. I hate Michigan State that much. I, mark it down. I was going to blow this team out by 24. I'll give you my prediction right now. Woo-hoo! All right, so I think it's going to be a close game, and it's because Michigan State, they actually appear to have an offense. I disagree completely. They're, They're leading averaging 500 yards a game. Their leading rusher is also their quarterback. That, um, Michael Vick was the leading rusher for VT. <laughs> oh, did you just compare Brian Lewerke to, to he, Michael to Mike Vick? I think you did. You don't know he if he isn't. Have you seen I, the I, I, I do. I watch I, the the Notre Dame Michigan State game on uh, was on the the TV next to the other one. We have a two v two TV set up in my living room because I live with a bunch of degenerates. But I was so unimpressed with Michigan State there. I was looking at their numbers. I mean, L.J. Scott, the, the Iowa beater from the conference championship game, only has a touchdown and 186 rushing yards on the year, and I think he's got four fumbles. He fumbled twice against Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they can't where, take, take care of the ball. Where did, all those st- where did all those yards come from? They played Bowling Green in Western Michigan. Can, I mean, is that that impressive mm-hmm. at this point? And then they got killed by Notre Dame, who a week before got hammered. Right, and people are saying how Lansing, yeah, it's a hostile environment, but are we sure it's going to be like full or even half full? Like it was pretty full for Notre Dame, but I'm sure there's enough pessimistic Michigan State fans who aren't going to any more games the rest of the year. I am not convinced that Lansing's going to be as rocking as it can be. Yeah, I, I still think it's going to be a closer game. I, think Michigan, <laughs> I, I, I do, though, I think because Michigan State is faster than Iowa. They've got a fast offense. My, I mean, my hot take is I think Iowa State Ames will be a more hostile environment or was a more hostile environment than Lansing was. Going for that. Uh, I wouldn't disagree with that because that's Ames. That was right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I think, you know, they already, they have their most hostile environment so far the year under their belt. I don't think they'll be nearly as intimidated in Lansing as they were in Ames. My, I'm, I do I'm think more worried against. I'm still more worried about Northwestern and Purdue at this point than I am for Michigan State. Oh, Purdue is so freaking scary, man. Luckily, we don't we play in the second last game of the year when I was usually you know firing on all cylinders. Right. I'm so glad we're not playing them anytime soon. What else we got for this Michigan State game? I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I don't want to get made fun of. <laughs> do we? Do we have right, any Jerry? More, do we have any more Twitter hot takes uh, to to end the the punter? Go for it, and then we'll get right back into Michigan State. Or no, let's just keep on Michigan State. All right. Um, I, I mean, the floor is open, Ben. I, I know we kind of just kind of we touched on it a little bit, but uh, this is this is Kirk's. There's no way to me that Kirk Ferentz is going to lose this game after the emotional high that was that Penn State loss. That he's going to have this team just lay an egg after that game against his the most hated rival that he has in his mind. Like he hates D'Antonio. 
people are is there a story behind that i had always thought pat fitzgerald was his least favorite big 10 coach counterpart part i don't what what stand is there a story about antonio i couldn't really find anything yeah i don't know do they hate each other because they used to be cool like there's 2015 articles during the Big Ten Championship week where the talk, where like Kirk was talking about him. Man, I, maybe I just have fake news just all over my like no, Facebook it, and Twitter feed. I no, just, it, it, there's something it was all that over happened, our comments. Right? I don't know. Uh, it was all over our comments. I know there's definitely there's recorded history between Fitzgerald and Kirk saying nasty things to each other at the 50 yard line before games. Um, I, yeah, I know that for a fact. So I always thought, you know, Kirk and Pat, well, that was the biggest rivalry between those two coaches. I just think other than the, the 2015 revenge game, I can't think of any other time. One thing I feel so confident about, I think there's enough players on this Iowa team who played in that conference championship game to get them fired up for that's a good point. this game. I think Josie Jewell, he had a great game. I think he's going to just get this defense clicking. And LJ Scott, he's still he's their starting running back for Michigan State. He's the one who killed Iowa. I think you know he get, we give him hell. And Matt Vandenberg, I bet he probably my hot take is he doesn't have a he has one touchdown right. I think he gets a touchdown against Michigan State. I think um, this week I just really like I think there's enough storylines there to that point towards a good solid Iowa win. All right, I've got a question for both of you. Then, do you uh, do you think that Iowa's defense is going to still be tired from this past week? I mean, they were on the field for a hundred dang plays in ninety degree weather. They're D one athletes. They Chris Doyle is the best conditioning coach in the country. They're fine. Yeah, you just stole the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say Chris Doyle and then say nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're D one athletes. They're not they're not you and me. They're this is their. I mean for. This is their job. It really is. It's a job. It's a full-time job, and this is what they get paid to. Don't get paid to do. Plus, at this point, like me, almost turning thirty soon, like my bones and stuff hurt. These kids are so young. Like, just imagine the drinking and dumb stuff that you guys did, and you were still able to like function the entire week and go to class and stuff like that. Now, just add like way more athleticism to it. I think these guys should be fine. Don't compare drinking and going to class to <laughs> play a D1 football game. Oh, but come on. I what? see what you're saying. I've had, I've had Hawkeye vodka, and it's got to feel the same way the next morning as playing Barkley. I what? set the record for 12-ounce curls at <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> I didn't go to class. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that explains that a lot. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm with Ben completely. I, I honestly, I was a little pessimistic. I was a little worried about the, the turnover from this game, but you're you, – we do. We have one of the best coaching staffs that I think are going to be able to make this a thing to get them up for the game. It's at East Lansing. It's going to be on national. T- it's on Fox. We we decided yeah, it's two on Fox, right? Two th- or three o'clock. Weird yeah, game. so they're they have like a, a nice little presence again, in, um, a national broadcast to get some more you know people behind them a little bit. I I think I was going to take care of the business. I'm definitely laying the th- or taking the three and a half points, which I might jump on that tonight just so I can lock it in before uh, some sharps start betting it down. But um, yeah, I like I, I lock game. that in. Yeah, how can you not? The over, I don't know. I don't think they're going to hit the over on 45 in this. I think it's going to be another defensive struggle. I think Brian's going to come out again and try to run wildly. I don't know how successful that's going to be, but I do think Iowa is going to – I was joking about the 24 points earlier, but Iowa definitely mm-hmm. covers and wins this game. They'll, they'll hit the over. If the over is 45, is if it, that's what it is. Yeah, Iowa could it. win 21 nothing. 
I just really think this defense is that good to be able to shut down this Michigan State offense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're we doing predictions right now. Then we got twenty-one nothing. Is that an, is that a legitimate prediction? Uh, no. My prediction is 28, <laughs> 28 to ten. Okay. I would say 27-13 Iowa. I I wrote down in the Q and A I just did. I wrote down thirty-one seventeen. Yeah. I mean, all of those sound very plausible, and I'll take each and every one. Yeah. I mean, they're all pretty close to each other. In all honesty, twenty something. To thirty-one mm-hmm. in that range. So, is there anybody that we should be scared of in this Michigan State defense? I only looked at their offensive numbers. Um, is there are there any players on Michigan State? I know nothing about the Spartan team on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so is there a third Bola brother I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, I, don't... I don't think so. Just because the fact that we don't know anything about this team still. Um, last year, we know what happened last year. I, I just don't see how all of a sudden these, this team, after playing Bowling Green and Western Michigan, we're supposed to believe that they're back to the Michigan State of 2011 through 2015. When did that happen? That just magically appears again? Uh, all of a sudden, there's no there's players that aren't able to play. The, the, he's lost all control of the program, and then they're back? I, that's where my I think my <laughs> lack of concern comes from. Uh, um, I want to go back just – Pedal back quick. There is a th- third Bola brother. I was kidding. His name's Byron. And <laughs> he is a junior, and he has one solo tackle and five assisted tackles on the year. So wow. nothing to be too scared of there. Leading tackler is a guy named Joe Bocci. He's got 18 uh, assisted. I love Bocci. Quality, quality beach game. Qual- uh, oh, I thought you say quality pizza out of Chicago, but <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, Matt Morrissey as a D back, second leading tackler. Um, you know, I'm not too impressed by any of these numbers I'm seeing right now. Yeah, my thing, my only thing is that last year's Michigan State team, like everybody's kind of clowning on them. They were what three and nine, but yeah. they lost to Ohio State by two. Yeah, that is true. But uh, are we sure yeah. Ohio State really? Wasn't anything special last year? No, yeah, the, they they were I mean they were the number two team in the country. They ran the table in the Big Ten up and except for Penn State yeah. with uh, except for Penn State. That's true, but I guess. They they also Ohio State by one. They lost to Illinois by four. Lost to. Well, I mean, losing to Illinois. I mean, at that's all. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, losing to yeah. Illinois at all in any fashion is unacceptable. Lost to Indiana by out. a field goal. Like they lost, <laughs> they lost a lot of close games last year, and so that's my only thing is that that's know, a hallmark of a bad team, losing losing close games, and a hallmark of a good team is winning close games. I mean, that, that's that's coach. So, are we saying that I was a bad team this year? We've only we've only lost one close game. That's all of our losses, close games. Well, we're we're technically one and one, I guess, because we had we had we're one and one, one for one in the walk yeah, one for yeah, two we, walk off wins. Mm-hmm. You could argue, I mean, North Texas was a close game for a half, and then we ran it down their gullets, yeah. Yeah, which I, mean, I think I was going to be able to do again. Yeah, I think torn. Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. My, maybe my hot take for Michigan State game is we have two 100-yard rushers. Love it. Go for it. Ben, you and I are speaking the same language yeah. tonight. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be Torin Young or Ivory Kelly Martin, but Wadley's going to get his, then we're going to open it up for the two youngsters behind him. 
I'm going to say, I will go this far. This past game, Iowa held the ball for like 20 minutes, which was unusual for this season. Iowa gets back on track and has the ball for 30 plus. Agree. Go yeah, I, mean, I would agree with uh, time of possession. I think that last week, Michigan State held on to the time of the possession. I can't confirm that right now. Uh, yes, I can. Yeah, they led time of possession by 10 minutes, but I, I think Iowa's going to kind of take that over again. All right, any other passing thoughts on Michigan State? Uh, I've never been to Lansing. Have either of you guys? No, and I might go this weekend. Really? Wow. Yeah. All right, so Lansing, possibly a good college town. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. We'll discuss next week. Yeah. We will discuss. Ben, before we go and say goodbye, I want you to give somebody, me personally, because I'm probably going to be the one that's going to bet it, give me your best bet of the weekend coming up. Well, here it is. Ben and Jerry's Flavor of the Week segment for the degenerates out there. There are about four or five lines that start with Iowa. Getting three and a half points against a hapless, I'll say it, Michigan State team. I don't get it. I don't know what the Sharps are seeing. It does make me a little bit nervous, but when I saw that, I just jumped all over it on Sunday night, and I, I laid down the hammer on that. Plus 152, money line just to win. That's tempting. You said the over-under is 45. I'm probably batting 80 on over-under, so I'm not going to touch that. Uh, staying with the Big Ten, other things I'm seeing is Illinois is getting 6.5 points at home to Nebraska. Like and that's on Friday night. That's on Friday night. Really? We'll probably we'll probably watch it honestly. Um I kind of like Illinois. I trust Lovey Smith to keep it close. Wow. Okay. So, okay, over under <laughs> quick quick bet over under two and a half interceptions by Tanner Lee to the Lovey Smith defense. Under. Two and a half? Under. Yeah. Because Lovey I think Smith he throws two. Lovey Smith has a bad defense. Do we? I mean, I know I know nothing about Illinois other than they have like three quarterbacks who all their dads or uncles played pro quarterback. Uh, I watched him against USF like one of those Fridays before, and the defense actually held up for a half against a quarterback that's way better than Tanner Lee. That was a weird game. That was like the North Texas game. Well, the refs definitely took it over in that mm-hmm. one. That's for sure. Yeah, that, they lost to they lo- they gave up forty seven to USF. God, I can't other, wait for the uh, last week. Yeah. I want to rip so much. Sticking with the Big Ten for plays, I like Wisconsin minus 14.5 at home against Northwestern. I think they just break North the Wildcats over their knee. Both teams, I think both teams are coming off a bye, right? Did Wisconsin uh, play last week? They did not. No. Yeah, both teams coming off a bye. Camp Randall. Give me the badge. And then last, Penn State is minus 17 versus Indiana. I I don't I don't know why I wrote that down. I have no feeling towards that. Um, I don't know. Other I think, my, I think Penn State's probably gonna destroy in the end of the coming week. Yeah, probably. Did you look at that Minnesota Maryland line at all? Because it's it's daunting how Maryland is thirteen point dogs to Minnesota. Maryland's on their fourth string quarterback. Yeah, they are. They're always on their fourth string quarterback. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> That's true. I need no. I didn't even look at it. Um, I don't know how I didn't. Minnesota's see it. still playing both of theirs, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've got one of the guys is from Chicago, uh, Croft. But yeah, I yeah, I don't. I, yeah, maybe. Uh, sure. I, 
actually, uh, Testudo Times, the Maryland blog, they tweeted or they put up a post earlier. Who are Maryland football's fifteen best quarterback options? Because they're on number <laughs> four, and it's like Ty Johnson's number number nine. He's the running back. Yeah, Jerry, you're right. I like Minnesota minus thirteen in that game. I just wrote it down. Um, I don't know how I didn't see that earlier. The only other thing – I wrote down two more things because I'm a Georgia fan. Uh, they're playing at Tennessee, minus seven this week. I actually kind of like Tennessee. I think it's a bit of a trap game. Georgia just destroyed Mississippi State, and Tennessee barely just beat who? UMass or UConn? One of those teams out east. UMass, um, I think. I think it's going to be a trap game for Georgia. I think they win, but I think Tennessee keeps it close. And uh, my last one is a little unconventional, but right now Saquon Barkley is the favorite to win the Heisman, plus 150. What say you, Jerry? Uh, I would definitely lay my money to collect on that one. I don't think there's anybody else in the entire nation that's as good as him. Pending injury, I'm willing and ready to give him the Heisman. I am so impressed with what I saw this week. Here's I'm with that one. Hmm. Hmm. No. I agree with you, Max, and here's why. Though I mean, yeah, Derrick Henry was the last running back he won in 2015 to win the Heisman, but besides Derrick Henry, the last running back to win the award was 09, Mark Ingram, and again, he was also an Alabama running back. So a team that's com- competing for a national title, that's a huge, huge boost. I don't know if Penn State will be. And also, I, uh, I was reading and I heard some things online from some other people that just out of pure spite or what, I don't know if that's the right word, but there are people on the Heisman committee who won't vote for a Penn State player. Um, oh, give me a break. This kid know. was in junior high when this happened. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's just what I heard. That's what I read. And I think plus 150 isn't juicy enough for me to roll the dice on that. That's true. If you want an easy bet, you take Barkley. I think I would bet, now that I'm thinking about it, I'd probably put my money on uh, Baker Mayfield to finally win this thing. Baker Mayfield's my choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, like, I think they already have some blemishes on their, on the record. Obviously, Darnold against Texas wasn't very good. I don't think any of those guys are going to be competing for a national championship either. I think Baker Mayfield, right. Oklahoma's got a legitimate shot at making the playoff and, and winning the whole thing. Um, I think Mayfield's the best choice. Yeah. yeah, I think it comes down to those two sitting together at the end, and they're looking at him with like maybe Mason Rudolph at the, like that side view where you, he knows he's not going to win it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, if, if Rudolph would have won this week, yeah, he would have a great chance. I love the way he plays and slings it. But DC was good. Who knew? So that's all I have. I'll say my flavor of the week is Iowa plus three and a half. Normally, I don't like to pick Iowa to be my best bet, but it is getting three and a half points in Lansing after. What, after watching what Michigan State just did compared to what Iowa just did, you have to feel great about that bet. Totally agree. Max, you with uh, us? You going to give us 10 bucks to lay down? Well, I, I already said I picked them 31-17. Yeah, I've got that. There we go. There it Perfect. is. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, everybody, thank you again for listening to the Pants Party. Um, I just have to ask you guys to please head over to blackheartgoldpants.com to see all the great work we're putting out this week before the Michigan State game. Um, before we go, Ben, Max, please remind all the viewers and or the listeners to where they can follow you on Twitter. I'm at Renboss23. Gospel of Max. And I'm at Jerry Sherwin. 
Thank you all very much. Please remember to leave a review and a five-star rating. I think here in a couple weeks, once we get enough reviews, if you're clever enough, we might read a couple at the <laughs> very end just to give a couple shout-outs. Be clever. Send us your hot takes. Maybe a couple go a pun or go for it, and we'll get those on the show as well. Uh, for everybody at Black Heart Gold Pants on Iowa, go Hawks. Go Hawks.